Thank you. Good morning. It's good to be here. Uh, it's sweet. Uh, it's an honor. I feel like coming home a little bit. Um, I know so many people here, and uh, I was a member here during uh, my years in college at UNCW. Uh, guys like Brian Slater and Jim Glasgow and Dan Sonnenberg, they were the models I looked up to, and God was calling me to ministry. And uh, my wife was raised here in this church or grew up here in the church when she was young, and my in-laws, Frank and Susie Wells, remembers here. And uh, so it's just really fun to be here and be able to minister uh, and preach God's word with you this morning. And uh, turn with me, if you will, to, in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. We're going to start in chapter 2, and it's a little bit strange the way that I've chosen these passages, I know, but it'll make sense when I explain it here. Uh, Paul is recounting something from his missionary journey and a little story that happened between he and his friend Titus. Uh, and he starts talking about this incident. Then he takes a break uh, and he goes into about five chapters of some of the uh, most rich and profound and beautiful statements of what ministry in the new covenant with the spirit working in us is like and all these great statements. And, and then he picks it right back up and goes right back to the story of what was going on between he and Titus. Um, and from their friendship, and this little, this little scene from their partnership in the gospel, uh, I wanna talk to you about how everybody needs a Titus. And so I am going to talk to you a little bit about the church and mental health uh, and how we need each other uh, in the church and how even the world needs the church because of what everyone is facing. But let me read this passage of scripture and then we will, we will jump right in. He says, when I came to Troas, and this is verses 12 and 13 of chapter two. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. And if you flip over to chapter seven, in verse five, He says, for even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still the more. Let's pray. Father, we ask that as we open your word, you would send your spirit to give us light and understanding that we would meet with you and hear from you and that you would continue to fashion Christ in us so that we can be Christ to one another, that you'd comfort maybe those who are walking through something difficult right now so that they can be a comfort to others. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, as we all know, the year 2020 will probably live in infamy, right? Uh, with the whole COVID thing, what started out as a, a public health crisis uh, quickly turned into a mental health crisis for our country. And in many ways, we are still dealing with the after effects of that. Uh, I can't tell you how many people uh, that I work with in the counseling office, I'll, I'll ask them, well, when did this start? And they'll either say, well, it started during COVID, 
or it was there all along, but it, it, it got worse during COVID uh, to where it was a problem. But mental health has always been an issue for uh, Americans, but also for humanity. It's just part of what it means for us to live in a fallen world. Uh, a recent study came out right after COVID said that one in five Americans was living with some form of mental illness. That's one in five. Now, none of them come to church, so don't worry about that. That's just all the people out there. I'm sure it's more like one in a thousand in here, but... In uh, a recent Gallup poll said Americans rated their mental and emotional well-being in 2021, they rated it the lowest it had been since 2002 when the poll began. Another poll said that 70% of people reported that loneliness or isolation was the top contributing factor to whatever mental illness they were dealing with. Now, I know that mental illness uh, and mental health is a spectrum, okay? Uh, and sometimes when you hear mental illness, we think of crazy people, right? Which would be a very unkind way of referring to them, but people that have very serious problems that are deeply entrenched in their personality. They might have personality disorders or other psychotic type issues they deal with, but that's not really what I'm talking about today, although it includes that. Uh, a lot of the people that call me, they will say, I've just been going through a really tough time right now and need support. So in some ways, I feel like I'm speaking to the choir here because I feel like now and for many years, Myrtle Grove is a church uh, who does this very well, uh, welcoming hurting people and caring for them and understanding that mental illness is an issue even for believers. Uh, but all of us experience low points in our lives, and those are nothing new, even for the people of God. And that's why I chose this passage, because I know this may sound scandalous, but I'm using Paul to talk about how sometimes we experience low points in our lives, and how God used Titus to comfort him and minister to him. And so my first point is this. There's three principles I want to draw out of this that, that guide my counseling ministry and that I think can help us as the body of Christ know why we need each other and how we can minister to each other. But the first point is this, and this for some of you might be enough that you can just say, you know, that, that was food for my soul, that was refreshing and freeing, and I could just go home and be blessed just with that. But this is, this is the first point that we all, everyone, even the strongest of Christians, from time to time experience low points. Everybody, even believers and even the strongest of Christians experience disruptions in their mental health because of what they might be going through at the time. And Paul, yes, the Apostle Paul is an example. Let me show you what I mean. Let's look at the affliction, the low point that Paul was going through that he describes here. Uh, and I'm gonna have to give you just a little bit of a history lesson and a geography lesson to do that. Paul was on his third missionary journey. He had just started a riot in Ephesus with his ministry, and they were like, you gotta go, man. They're going to kill you. And so he flees from what, is, uh, what was Ephesus, a major city in what is now modern Turkey. And so if you picture, you know, on a map, you have uh, Turkey, then you have the Aegean Sea, and then you have Greece over here. And so 
Paul leaves Ephesus and goes over to a port city called Troas, where everybody would leave to hop a ship and go over to Greece. Uh, I've been there to the little town. It's a beautiful place overlooking the Aegean Sea. That's where Paul uh, went with Titus, and at the same time, having just escaped a riot uh, and uh, a threat to his own life and safety, he's also been in correspondence with the church down in Corinth in southern Greece that he had started, and uh, they were a very uh, cosmopolitan, very gifted, very exuberant, very dynamic, but very difficult church to deal with because they loved, you know, they loved personality and they loved the people who were dynamic and charismatic and, and Paul was always struggling to hold on to his apostolic influence there. They were like, we want somebody who speaks better, who's better looking, who's got better credentials. We want a shiny, happy, beautiful celebrity to lead us who, who works miracles and wonders and is, is exciting and spectacular and Paul's just boring, you know, and he just teaches a lot of good theology and he, he struggled with his relationship with that church, and they had sin in the church, and there were divisions and all these problems. So Paul sends Titus with a letter to try to work things out, sends him ahead to Corinth, and he says, look, I'm, uh, let's meet up later back here in Troas. You tell me how things went. And Paul says, when I got to Troas, Titus wasn't back. And because he wasn't back, uh, it says that His spirit was not at rest because he did not find him. And he took leave and he left. And he goes across the Aegean Sea and he goes over to Macedonia, which is northern Greece, to a place where he had planted other churches. And he waits for Titus there, hoping if he went further up the road, he'd he'd meet him. And then there he experiences problems. It says there were fears within, anxieties that he had within, and there were fightings without, and he said he was afflicted or under pressure or under stress. And then he said he became downcast because he said God who comforts the downcast comforted him. And so here you have Paul saying, in spirit and in body, because they're related and they affect each other, our soul and our body, the two parts of who we are, are affected by the stresses that we experience in this life. Paul says, I wasn't at rest. And listen, Paul is uh, the missionary par excellence, right? I mean, he's, he's the chief missionary. And he lives, eats, and breathes preaching the gospel when he has an open door. And for Paul to have an open door that the Lord opened and for him to say, nope, I'm just so, I'm, I'm not at rest. I can't even minister here. You know Paul's going through something. Maybe you can relate. Where you feel pressed and afflicted. Where you feel like there's fears and anxieties within and there's, there's conflicts all around you. And maybe even you're downcast losing and struggling to hold on to your hope and your comfort in the Lord, well, know that you were in good company because even Paul has been there. Even Paul experienced anxiety. Even Paul experienced depression. Even Paul experienced the detrimental effects of stress. I would argue even that Jesus did, and David certainly did, if you read the Psalms. How many of us, though, would have said to Paul, you know, Paul, what about the victorious life? Paul, if you would only read your Bible more, or Paul, if you just had a more vibrant spiritual life, if your prayer life was better, or if you prayed more, or if if you knew better theology, you wouldn't be going through this and experiencing this. Just remember those things and don't be bothered. None of us 
would say that to the Apostle Paul. And yet you see he's here at a very low moment, desiring the presence of his friend, another believer, to comfort him. In our office, we have a little statement over uh, in, in the lobby waiting area that says, it's okay to fall apart sometimes. Tacos fall apart and we love them no matter what. You know, I wonder if the church is a place or the church is known for being a place where it's okay to fall apart sometimes. If it's okay to not be okay from time to time, if it's a place where you're welcome when you're at your worst, when you don't even wanna come because you're so downcast or so worried or, I wonder if the church is that place. It usually is, but not always. If you talk with people who either have mental illness struggles or have someone in their family who does, they'll, they'll tell you their experience is one that's not always the best in the church. Catherine, McGreen McCrate, Catherine Green McCrate, sorry, wrote a book called Darkness is My Only Companion. She was a, a Christian, a strong believer who also had bipolar um, disorder. She said, Christian communities still have a fear of the mentally ill. In part, they do not understand mental illness. And in part, there's a false assumption that the Christian life should always be an easy path. And in part, the problem of suffering is just hard to grasp. Why do we have a hard time with mental illness as Christians? Uh, she says it's, we just don't understand it, A, and what we don't understand we're uncomfortable with and we fear sometimes. Then there's this false assumption that the Christian life should just be easy, the having the happy Christian syndrome, which is a sickness all its own, right? That to, to be a Christian, you need to let everybody know that you're okay and you're always happy because Christians don't struggle. And then the problem of suffering is hard to grasp. We don't know what to do with it. It's easier to deal with the stuff in life that's going okay, that's less mysterious, that we can control better. But one in four people in the general population uh, are affected by mental illness. And that means that probably one in four people sitting in this room at some time or other has been affected by mental illness or some problem that they felt was disruptive and distressing. And we need comfort in those times. And there is comfort for us. I know this is a heavy topic. I'm usually a lot of fun. Next time, next week, I'll preach a different topic. But th this is important and it matters to me. The, the church, I think, has so many resources. We have the gospel, we've got Christ, the, the presence of the Spirit among us. We have so many great things that we could use. And I'm telling you, people out there are hurting. And people aged 18 to 30 are struggling the most. Anxiety and depression is rampant and they don't know what life is all about. They don't have comfort, they don't have hope, they don't know if people care and if there's someone there for them. And here's my second point. This is what Paul held on to even when Titus wasn't there because we can't always count on someone else being there. But the beautiful thing is God's comfort always meets us there in that lowest place. He says, but God, and I love, I, I could go on to another message, a whole other sermon on the but God passages of scripture. All deliverances, all healings, all salvations, all turns of event, 
all of it starts with but God. And Paul says, I was in a hard place. There was anxiety. I was struggling with depression and stress, et cetera, et cetera. I was alone. I was isolated, but God. And that's what makes the difference in your life. If you're struggling, what you need in your life is a but God story. And God always shows up. God never gives you more affliction than he gives you comfort. He's promised to always be there in the toughest time, in the darkest time, in the lowest place. You can count on it. And in some ways, I hesitate to say this, but I'm going to say it. I kind of feel sorry for you if you have not experienced a low point like that. Because there's something sweet down there. Where you come out going, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because you are with me. Paul started his letter with blessed be. He starts with praise to the God of all comfort and the Father of all mercies who comforts us, not some of the time, but every time, so that with the comfort he gives to us, we can then minister to other people and give comfort. And in those low places, people who've walked through deep depression or spiritual crisis or anxiety or other issues, if they've clung to the Lord, they will tell you there's things, there's fellowship with him and comfort in those hard places that they could not get anywhere else. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, Psalm 34 says. That's a promise you can bank on. But God always comforts us in the lowest place. But finally, the third point is God's comfort sometimes comes in the face of a friend. And it happened for Paul. And you see just how important it is when you show up. When someone's hurting and you show up, just how powerfully God can use that. Paul says in chapter 7, in the second half of our reading, he says, but Paul, I mean, I'm sorry, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, and how he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice still the more. But I first want to stop and just point out, before we talk about what Titus, the good news he brought, just his presence was a comfort to Paul. And the verb there is beautiful in Greek. It's parakaleo. It's the, the word that, that is used to de describe and name the Holy Spirit for us. Jesus said, uh, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send to you another paraclete, another comforter. And we don't know how to translate it because there's so many great things about what he does. He comforts, he teaches, he counsels, he helps. It's a combination Greek word that means called alongside to. The Holy Spirit is the one that Jesus has called to our side to comfort and guide and strengthen and equip and enliven and bless the believer with the presence of God. God, excuse me. <clears throat> Paul says, when Titus showed up, he ministered to me like the Holy Spirit. He was that comforting presence beside me to buoy me up and strengthen my faith. It was his very presence that helped. Amy Simpson in her book, Troubled Minds, Mental Illness and the Church's Mission says this, we can't take mental illness away, but we can do better in the church. 
We can extend the humanizing, loving friendship every hurting person needs. We are not called to be a mental health clinic and to cure mental health in the church, but what we are called to do is to offer a humanizing, loving friendship that every hurting person needs. There's something about the physical presence of being in the room with someone when they're hurting, just being there that helps. In the fellowship that we have as Christians with each other. You know, in the New Testament, they couldn't wait to see each other face to face. You know, in John, in one of his letters, he's writing to one of the churches and he says, look, I have more to write, but I just would rather say it to you face to face. And they were always mentioning how, hey, I can't wait to see you face to face. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his little book, Life Together, if you've ever read that, the opening chapter of that is just, it's just gold. Beautiful chapter on this very topic. He opens by saying, don't always count on having fellowship with other believers. As much as we need it, don't always count on it. Even Jesus himself suffered alone on the cross with no one else to comfort him. But then he goes on to say these statements. Uh, He says, between the death of Christ and the last day, it's only by a gracious anticipation of the last things that Christians are privileged to live in visible fellowship with other Christians. The physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. And he says the prisoner, and Bonhoeffer knew what it was to be alone with no one to comfort him. He was imprisoned for his faith and for criticizing the Nazi regime during World War II, ultimately put to death. But he says the prisoner, the sick person, the Christian in exile, sees in the companionship of a fellow Christian, listen to this, a physical sign of the gracious presence of the triune God. When we show up in people's lives when they are hurting in a low place, we are for them, by the Holy Spirit's work, a physical sign of the gracious presence of our triune God. How many of you could use that from time to time, right? I'm telling you, people, when they're struggling, and Christians too, when they are in the hardest place and need help the most, there's usually the least help available. People pull back. I don't know why, because maybe we don't know how to help or what to say or what to do. Maybe they pull back because they're ashamed. But what we need is a physical sign of the gracious presence that God's still with you. He doesn't just love you when you're up and when you're more than a conqueror and victorious and full of joy. He's with you always and he comforts those who were downcast. And he always will. It was also Titus's good news, though. We need to show up, and then we need to remind people of what's good. Titus brought good news that the church was keeping their apostolic connection with with Paul, that they were responding to his instructions and teachings, that the church was moving forward, that it was healthy. But we need to remind each other of what's good. There's so much of what's wrong in the world, and people remind you of it every day, don't they? We're bombarded with it in the headlines, and those things are concerning and we need to not stick our heads in the sand or be ignorant of that but you know what as Christians we need to show up and we need to bring up the good news of what is true and good that God is still the one who is in control that God is good that he has a plan that he is with us that he loves us uh Jim Krasinski or John Krasinski who played Jim on The Office if you've ever watched that uh that television show uh during the 
the quarantine time, he started a little news channel on YouTube called Some Good News, and all he did was report good news stories, and, and it spread like wildfire, went viral, because people were just so hungry for good news. And not just like, hey, there's, you know, the weather's nice today. We, I'm talking about the good news we have as believers in Christ. A great example of how this works, maybe an extreme example um, I want to share with you before I close. I was at a breakfast for chaplains one day, and they had a veteran share a testimony uh, about his experience as a prisoner of war in the Korean War. And he said that he was captured and put in a little four-by-four concrete block cell. Now imagine you can't ever stand up. And it was Christmas time. It was extremely cold in North Korea. He was alone, far from home, depressed, missing his family, wondering if he was going to ever make it back, ready to give up all hope. He, he was a believer, but his faith wasn't very strong. Uh, and in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve, uh, he heard some noise and some rustling, and finally an, an, an older Korean man uh, snuck up to the front of his cell in the night and slid a little package, a little present through the bars of his cell, and all he could get out in English was, me Christian, me Christian. He said, that one gift, that showing up, was what it took for his soul to hold on to hope, to trust and remember that God was with him even there, and it affected his entire life. Now that may be extreme, and you don't need to sneak behind enemy lines into a prisoner of war camp, but we sometimes do need to walk across the street or across the sanctuary or down the hall, or drive across town to seek out people that might be hurting and show up and bring up the good news for them. Because yes, God is always with each of us and he'll never leave us and he always comforts us, but man, there's something special and sweet like a gift of grace from God himself when another believer is willing to show up when we're hurting. Hard times are nothing new for God's people. God's comfort's always there. But everybody needs a Titus. I wonder who has been a Titus for you? Who comes to mind? If you could give God thanks for them. and Then I would ask you, uh, for whom do you need to be a Titus today? For whom do you need to show up and be that physical sign of the gracious presence of God? You know, this is not just about us caring for each other as the body of Christ. It's a part of our mission as the church because as I mentioned earlier, uh, people are really, they're hurting. And I think the church has a, a, a wonderful open door for ministry in our day if we will just show the world that we will come and show up and we care for people who are hurting. And make churches places where people feel welcome that, that maybe the first place they'd go if they were having a hard time <laughs> would be the church. Wouldn't that be beautiful? If we would say, come, God cares, we care. We don't exactly know how to do this, but we're here and we'll be with you. And to tell them that there's somebody who is alone and hurting for them, who, who went to the cross and took their sins and with the sins, everything that the sins brought, including our mental health, the brokenness we experience in this life, and that he can send the spirit of God into our lives to comfort, to keep us company, to give us hope and joy 
that all of this stuff that afflicts us in this world is one day going to be undone and every tear will be wiped away. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the comfort that's in Christ and in the Spirit's presence. Lord, we pray that you would help the church at large, but this congregation in particular, to continue to be a Titus, so to speak, for hurting people, that we would be faithful friends and companions and walk alongside people who are struggling, that this would be a place where people who are hurting and whose lives are falling apart will come and find truth and grace and hope to heal. And we pray that you would receive all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.